Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. In our latest episode, Peter Hoare discusses his time as series director of the outstanding TV series, It's a Sin. In a fascinating conversation with fellow director Christine Lala, Peter talks about how he created the right environment for actors, how he nailed the show's period detail, and the technical work behind some remarkable sequences. We highly recommend you watch It's a Sin before listening. Enjoy. Hello everyone, I'm Christine Lala and thank you for attending this masterclass with the rather marvellous Peter Hoare, um, which will be discussing his approach to directing his five-part series, It's a Sin. Um, as Sean has mentioned, if you just put your, um, all your questions in the chat box as we go along and um, I'll stop every now and again to answer them. So Peter, welcome and thank you so much for your Hello. time today. Thank you. Thank you for being here to ask me questions. <laughs> and now, before we get into clips and storyboards and all that, I wanted to lay down some background to you coming onto the series. So um, can you tell me how you came to the project? Um, unconventionally, I guess, is the answer. Um, I, um, I got a phone call from Phil Collinson, who was the producer, saying, would you be interested in doing a five-parter uh, written by Russell T. Davis? Um, so three seconds later, I said, yes, I would be very interested. Um, I didn't think this was at all possible. I didn't, I don't think I knew that it was even happening, but basically he said, look, I'm going to send you some scripts, uh, have a read over the weekend and I'll be in touch on Monday, which he was. And I said, these are amazing. Four out of the five I had to, to read. And I said, they're amazing. What do I do next? And, um, I was in, uh, Manchester on the Tuesday to have an interview or a chat or whatever it would would have been called with Nicola and Russell and Phil and um and then they said could you start tomorrow I'm like uh uh, well can I go home first and then start so I started on the Thursday so basically what happened is there wasn't they had started the production with a different person and um that relationship had had not worked out for everyone concerned so they made they made a very difficult decision after four weeks of uh pre-production to 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 end that relationship and then look for me um i guess uh so so i was obviously now incredibly more than incredibly grateful that it happened at all if that way um but yeah that's how it started well um, have you ever replaced the director before or no not that i've always been told but i have a theory that i um i often get and this might be uh, shared amongst the people here but I often get uh, scripts sent to me that they say, can you come in in three days? And I'm like, three days? That's not very long to turn this thing around and be ready and prepared. And then when I get there, they suddenly then also tell me that, oh, well, we, yeah, we're looking for someone to start in a couple of weeks. I'm like, you've left it very late to get a director. And then I, yeah, the penny drops and I'm like, someone's walked off, haven't they? I think it happens all the time, right? And so when you were speaking to the producer and to Russell, um, did you ask them why the relationship didn't work out with the previous director? Did you just move on? Um, yeah, well, I guess I guess I didn't ask it straight away. I think uh, I probably asked other people first just to make sure I didn't any, ask any of the wrong questions. But but I think ultimately what it was is that that, that director had a different way of working. It, he wasn't used to working within the British system. And um, I think there's a sort of hierarchy there's a big hierarchy in TV, to be honest. We all know who's at the top of the tree. And I think that the individual was used to working 
more like a, a features director would be a lot more in control a lot more you know like script editing and all sorts of things and like that that just wasn't going to happen um so so yeah i think that, that that's what i found out anyway well but is that the you know it's it sort of springs off my next question it's something that i think about a lot which is how there are a lot of series now that are actually are writer creator driven yes yes was so the power dynamic is obviously very different to when you just go on to shoot, you know, an episode of Shetland or an episode of Vera or something. So, I mean, how did how did you how how was it working with a writer director? I know you've worked with Russell T Davis before. On Doctor I, no, I hadn't actually. No, I'd met him. I met him in a nightclub in uh, Manchester in two thousand and four, and I was determined to ask him about Doctor Who, which I knew he was doing, but it was very top secret. So I got drunk enough and went up and asked him about it. Um, and we we spoke for a couple of hours, and he told me everything he shouldn't do, and he remembers that conversation as well, which is which is nice. But um, uh, no, what was the question? Uh, writer career. Sorry, that was my fault. I sent you off the top Doctor Who. Oh, that's okay. I um, love it. Writer creator. How how is it different working with a writer creator than it is with just dealing with a, 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 a you know, yes. and a script editor and a producer. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess that every show is different. Every writer creator is different. I've done a little bit of work in America, so I, I had the 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 um, ultimate version of that. Let's say where the showrunner is king and everything is is through goes through them. It's a little bit of a uh, it's a little bit of a break actually. As long as you don't <laughs> absolutely detest the choices. Um, and I think if you did, you'd be, you shouldn't have accepted the job based on the script anyway. So, I mean, like, there are lots of things. I mean, with Marvel, yeah, with the American system, there were, I had lots of input, uh, lots of things no one will ever know about because I wasn't the showrunner, but that's okay because I knew that and I went into it that way. I think what's slightly different about the British system is that you sometimes get offered the opportunity to be create more creative, perhaps down to the fact that the showrunner doesn't know what they want to do um and they want to use you know the, the, the director's insight um but yeah you don't you don't you don't get anything for it back in the uk you you i think actually i haven't done a job for a while but maybe people are starting to get deals where they have some sort of creative credit something like that to, to back it all up but then i could like you said with vera and shetland it was um the writers were very much much quieter in that system and i basically rebooted vera and i um uh i did do the first episode of shetland and the writer was was present we we talked we discussed but it felt very much like myself and in both those cases elaine collins was the people moving it forward and, and discussing its look and its feel and its and the casting and everything so so uh i've done a, i've done a bit of everything really so um right so you you were the second director on so you said that mm. the previous director had four weeks prep already is that right yeah so can you break down the prep shoot and your post how many weeks did you have uh so the, the original schedule was um 10 weeks prep 15 was it 14 or 15 weeks shoot 15 weeks shoot and um 12 weeks in the edit and initially i i remember thinking 12 weeks how wonderful it never works out like that because the first week we had we had a huge amount of material russell writes a lot of scenes um which is great because i love working with that material so i i never ever said let's cut this because i knew that i would be benefiting from it in in the in the cut so um so yeah that first week of the edit's gone because i give it to my editor to to do 
the best that she can with the material before I see it. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. So that week's gone. And then you think, oh, actually, we've only got a week before we're supposed to show it for the first time to, I, I think it was Phil. So it worked out that I had about five days as a director's cut within each of that. So I had five episodes to cut. Within the 12 weeks, I had probably four or five days to cut my version of it before I started dealing with the notes. But again, i just done like a few years in America and that's what you get there. You get four days. So I sort of, I was up for that. I was up for that challenge. The good thing, of course, is even when they come in and we collaborate about about things, and, and Russell was very good at this, I would explain my point of view and and if he went, he, he would go with it a lot of the times. He'd say, yeah, you're, you're right, let's do it. So I was very lucky there. Um, and that's what you don't get in America. You never get the opportunity to to explain yourself um, why you did what you did. They just go, oh, that doesn't work. Quick, change it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. And so if I go back to the prep, so you lost four weeks then. Because yeah. Else. So you had six weeks. But did they offer you the five episodes? They do. Well, I mean, they sent me four to read because Russell hadn't done hadn't written five at that point he was in the process of finishing it off um so I'd read all four and then when I got there they said look it's we understand there's not long to to go you're going to have to get yourself together first before you even think about how where what and whatever um so you know um you can do the first two if you want and by that point I'd read episode three and four, but I particularly read episode three. And if anyone has seen it, they'll know that I just thought there's no way anyone else is doing episode three. I've got to do it. And, and by that judgment, I just said, I just blurted it out. And I just said, can I do all five? And Russell was thrilled. I'm like, yes. And, um, and that's what they agreed to. I guess it's still a risk because, um, you know, six weeks of pre-production plus I also lost, um, oh, well, I didn't lose, but the, 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 um, the DP already already booked on the job had to, to leave for personal reasons. So um, that meant I had to go look for someone else. And I um, got David Katznelson, who was an absolute joy, treasure and, and talent. And then he only had like two weeks prep. So um, we didn't have a lot of time between us. We spent a lot of time doing, you know, uh, rap recce's and, uh, you know, pre-shoot recce's and all of that. And, and again, I'm sure lots of people on this will be aware of them. Um, but again, I guess it was all right because I knew that I knew that coming in with less prep meant I was going to have to, I was going to have to do the, uh, uh, quite a bit of that. So, and, um, have, you've not done a five part. Uh, no, no, I've only ever done, in fact, I've only ever done in a row. I've only ever done two, haven't I? I think yeah, I'm trying I, to, I, I, I don't, I did do yeah. That. <laughs> I, I actually used to be one of those people who said, I don't think it's fair. It's not right. It's not right that one person does all of that show. Why didn't I get an opportunity to do one of the episodes? And um, and now having done it, um, I guess with this, it was slightly different. A limited series, um, you know, five episodes, I think is achievable, particularly as I went over Christmas, which was a total bonus. If I'd had to do 15 weeks straight, it would have I would have been much more tired and, those two weeks over Christmas were very useful. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And I didn't know if I could, but again, you never know until you do it. And, and now I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> and what did you inherit from the previous director? I mean, the casting, was that you or was it all the company? Uh, most of that cast, yeah. I mean, because I think the process started even before he did. He got there. So I think Ollie was already secured 
um, Neil Patrick Harris had been approached and I think they were doing a deal. Stephen Fry had been approached. Keeley was still in the process, but but that was sort of happening when I arrived. And the decision, I think I, I was involved in the decision about Sean Dooley, which was a no-brainer. He was wonderful. Um, I, I got Gregory on board. I think everybody else was already there. Um, and then and then that's like in the top rank. I think I did a lot of the other parts below below our, our main five six so so yes i did they they said that thing to to me which is if you don't like any of the casting then we can definitely start again and i'm like and i looked at these wonderful young faces and i thought how could i do it to them and they were great so i didn't need to i didn't even think about it they were so they just i just knew they'd be great that one you were right weren't you i was right <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing both of both of your parts they, they gave you that option and um and also you you prepped five episodes in six weeks it's quite astonishing yeah well i prepped four in about two weeks and then we had five arrive um and five was very different to the others which i, I actually think is almost my favorite episode because it's such a different beast um and and there's part of me that worried a lot about that and thought is this going to fit with everything else? It was sort of greyer than every other episode for lots of reasons because we were in locations that didn't lend themselves too much colour. And um, and but I loved it. I think it came came across very well. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, I also inherited an art department that were very busy and, and um, very busy, not necessarily doing anything. But at the same time, lots of prep had been done, lots of ideas had been circulated, and they were very capable. They just needed a direction. So I think that was one of the first things we jumped in on. And, and then eventually, again, the bigger thing was we decided to, to um, build the uh, set, the main set, Pink Palace, which that sort of decision, as you know, takes time to, for everybody to agree to. Then it takes time for it to be drawn and then constructed and whatever. So, so they were, the, the art department were very keen to make that decision so they could get on with it. And, and Russell was not keen on, um, on uh, building. He loves... Uh, authenticity as do i very much but i just couldn't find what we needed and um you know it seems now again why why, why would you not do it because we got the most amazing it was a little bit big um you know these these people for for people on low low to minimum wage <laughs> which didn't exist then um to uh, you know living in this real palace of in this massive corridor but but he loved it and we pulled it off and we we managed to get the windows looking wonderful and uh, so yeah yeah right right so sean do we have any questions before i move on we don't have any questions yet which usually means that everything so far has been very clear so uh <laughs> i'll let you continue christine <laughs> but okay so um i'm moving on to i mean i'm i'm i was in my 20s in, in the 80s and i i remember this period really really well and this is why i think one of the reasons why it really spoke to me um the whole piece um and and one of the things when I, I went off to shoot something, I was shooting at the time when I saw It's a Sin, and I spoke to some of the cast members of what I was shooting on, and some of them weren't aware of the AIDS epidemic. Mm. And it sort of astonished me that history that I grew up in um, would be forgotten. So, um, and I sort of think, and also it made me think about 1980s is actually a period piece. You've actually <laughs> a period piece. Oh, yes. Going a bit, you know, anyway, but... I wonder how do you how do you go about have you have you done a period piece before? How did you approach it? Was it different to say the Umbrella or Khaled Academy or? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what was great about the Umbrella Academy is that it was it was a sort of period piece because it was full of nostalgia. We nicked we nicked so many things from so many other films, TV programs, as did the original uh, text. So um, 
so so yeah so this was a period piece um it's always a bit scary when you start shooting the period that you lived in as a period piece um and so so that wasn't well at least i could say yes i do remember that or no that would never have happened as did russell we both were very quick on that doesn't look right um and our art department were phenomenal at finding stuff and and I wouldn't say too phenomenal, but there was always a lot of it. So we would spend some time always thinking well, that, but not that, but that, but not that. And and I'd probably do that anyway. And, and they they always said, we're going to give you more than you need because um, that way you'll get exactly what you want. Uh, but it was so rich, the detail in those sets. It was phenomenally good. And uh, and that Pink Palace, as I say, I, I went into that thinking, I have been in this house. I have had a party here and I can smell it. Um, so So that felt good weirdly but i um yeah i done it i did uh, last kingdom which was uh, medieval obviously well not even medieval was it yes it is um dark agey sort of thing and and because not many people can tell you that that wasn't right it was a bit easier on me um um there are people that want to tell you it's not right and they do i don't know if anyone's seen the trailer for the last jewel there's a lot of haircuts in that under discussion right now um, which is so unfair, but there you go. I digress. But yeah, but 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 honestly, I would say across the board with our hair, makeup, uh, costume, and art department, we I think we nailed the eighties, and we did it with affection. We didn't do it uh, a lot of times. It's gaudy and bright and brash, and and uh, I think we managed to do a little bit of everything. Really, uh, you know, um, keep it real, but 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 enjoy it and live in it. So it felt like they were their clothes and that was their hair, hairstyles. So, you know, yeah. No, I did. I, I felt it was really believable. And it wasn't overblown. I think sometimes the 80s, like I say, gets, gets very gaudy. Yeah. Um, more more sort of like head, um, headbands and leg warmers and that's it. Yeah. But this is a different style. And I, and I really thought it was great. Um, so I would like to now, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about <laughs> Of course, we've just met, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, I think, can we, Sean, can we see the um, clip one, please? Clip one, the hooked on classic scene is from episode one, starting at 23 minutes, 45 seconds and ending at 25 minutes, 54 seconds. Thank you, Sean. Right. Can we bring up the storyboards, please, Sean? So while um, Sean's doing that, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about working with an intimacy coordinator and you know, who it was and had you, mm-hmm. had you worked with one before? Never. Uh, no. And I wished I had uh, immediately within minutes of the conversation starting. Um, uh, it was, it was uh, the, the intimacy coordinator was called Issa O'Brien. Um, and she had done it a few times before. Um, Many, well, she, she, uh, she'd done May I Destroy You. I May Destroy You. I always get that the wrong way around. I don't know why. Um, and and had many stories to tell from that about how it worked and how it empowered Michaela Cole. And of course, as we know now, Michaela don't, you know, mentioned her at the uh, BAFTAs, wasn't it? About and said and dedicated it to Eta, but and and the team the whole team we had a team of people that came on different days but it started really with the rehearsal period which is why these were created these these storyboards and and we treated it like a, a, you would treat a stunt so basically it was a very transparent discussion i would explain what it was i was looking for um and, and the, the like message as it were or, or or the point of it and you know to explain 
in this case, Richie's, you know, sort of success with sex, um, his, his, uh, his, uh, you know, he's just getting more and more confident and, and better at it and, and taking charge and all that sort of thing. So, and I would explain all that to, to Ita and the team. And they would then take that into separate rooms with the actors and then work out the story. They'd discuss how to do it. They were like they are actors themselves, so they understand that language. And um, I was never there for that, which I think is also a good thing because it allows those actors to, to express things that they may not want me to know or, or concerns. If there were any real concerns about what I'd asked for, it would get back to me and we wouldn't do it. It was simple as that. But um, uh, yes, it was an it was an incredible process. I I I have done it before. Uh, it's a sin, and it's a very lonely. I mean, most of the jobs lonely, but um, it was a very it's a very lonely place to be because most people just sort of cross their arms and go, go on then, get on with it, be sexy, and and like the poor actors and myself are like trying to talk it through, work it out. And and actually, in the past, I I spent time talking. Uh, in, in you know preparation which doesn't always seem to have happened on many occasions but but there's no guidance and it felt like with this it was such a relief it was so um effortless and well managed and uh people's brains people's mental health was being looked after thought even thought about so you know and and, and uh ollie who played richie was doing every single one of them one after the other after the other so we you know, we learned a lot about how we might shoot that by the prep, from the prep. And and uh, we also broke it up accordingly. We also, very much on the day, actually, we had to, to say he was exhausted. And we were like, okay, let's jump ahead to another scene, give you a break. And uh, you let me know how you feel. And he came back, great, bouncing, ready to go. But, you know, all sorts of things that would probably may have been overlooked in the past. So it was... It was phenomenal, you know, and, and as I say, if nothing else, I just felt like I'm not alone in this. It's like there's a there's, there are people that want to make it as good as I do and 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 work with sensitivities, not be scared of it. So once um, she went, um, is it, how do you pronounce her name? Is it Eater? Uh, yeah, I say Eater. Yes, yes. Um, and worked with the actors and then they say, right, this is what. And then you, you're on board, or you're not on board. Then do you do you? Did you draw these storyboards yourself or do you have an artist to do that? I had a storyboard artist uh, do that for me. I can't remember their name, I'm afraid, which is very embarrassing. But um, they came and did a whole load of these for me and they're, they're fantastic. Um, interestingly, looking at them now, I mean, this scene that you have up here, that never happened. That, that whole scene didn't take place, um, was cut. But... Um, and some of the other positions that I I'd asked her to sketch were they also didn't happen. So, um, and then there's lots of reasons for that. Sometimes it's time, sometimes it's physicality. You know, you can't get like that top shot there. You can't get <clears throat> the camera. We couldn't get the camera where I wanted it to go. And we all thought we could, and we couldn't. So that didn't happen. But, um, you know, but actually as well, when we were shooting, and setting these things up that what, what would happen is they would go into the room with the coordinator we would leave they would get themselves into the position um with their their underwear on and feel relaxed feel comfortable and simulate the motion that we were asking for and it was shot by shot by shot and once they were comfortable then they would uh, disrobe completely um other than whatever parts were covered then they'd re, re uh, you know reconnect and um and then 
we would come back into the room and they'd already be in that position ready to go. And then we would get our cameras ready. We'd already have decided where they were going to go. But of course, like, like any uh, performance, you get into the room and then you're like, oh, right, that camera doesn't get the right, that doesn't see the thing we want to see. So we'd just move around a little bit more. Um, and then we would shoot. And then in this particular case, I'd have the music playing, which um, was for timing um, so that they, the movements were all in time with the, you know, with the music. Um, I also think it took the edge off a little bit because it was so preposterous listening to that music while you were having it. And, and, and also it was about joy. It, I never wanted to shoot anything that didn't look like it was fun. Um, even if it's slightly scary in that first case where he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, and it got better and better because obviously, you know, that's how his story goes. And the laughter at the end, I just love. Every time I hear them giggling and laughing, I just think it's wonderful. And so was there anything, apart from the ones that you've showed us, was there anything that, that the maybe the exec said, we can't do that? Because that's <laughs> No, actually, well, my initial, my immediate execs, i.e. Nicola and Russell, never said no. But I, I think Nicola was, you know, she's not been at the top of the business for years for not knowing this. But she said, like, just be aware that, you know, there'll be a point. There's always a point that somebody will turn around and say, this isn't, this isn't right. But then I... I wasn't. I was never going to be gratuitous about it. That isn't the way I do it. And but but there is there is a uh, there was a moment where we got a message about the sort of things that would have. I don't know how to put this, um, but basically we, we were told that there would be certain things, certain images that would be more acceptable than others. And I'm afraid to say that me and Russell, not afraid actually, I'm very happy to say that me and Russell both went no way are we going to do what they what they say is more acceptable so so i just said yeah i agree and let's let's move forward and and so and then one of those things that was allegedly not acceptable was legs up in the air and whatever so but i think what we did is as i say we didn't shoot it gratuitously and actually some of these uh frames are a little bit wider than than we did i think they are probably more more pornographic than what we did we did we were much more suggestive but what it gave it gave Eta was um, an idea of where what the positions was because if you if you sketch a close up sometimes you don't know what what it is <laughs> so um, so yes but but you know most of this was scripted so you know some of it was not so I, I, you can definitely see a lot of this was more adventurous than I ever got to do but you know again we're on a schedule and um, if I got if I felt good about it if I got the you know the images I was after then we'd move on so so do you think because you've done so much prep into what you want within the scene do you think the scene take is take shorter to um not really because in the same way that you would do a stunt it's like you put a lot of prep into a stunt you do storyboards you have meeting after meeting after meeting um and you still stand around waiting for things to happen and it's like because of there's one reason is safety you know you you can't just blow things up um willy-nilly so um you can't and you shouldn't be putting as i say people's mental health on the line willy-nilly you don't know really how someone's feeling about doing something like that about a sex scene um and 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 also let's be honest it's not just the sex it's intimacy generally there's like kissing or closeness or touch or whatever you know these are all come under this banner and and I think it's vitally important to have a discussion where in a safe space where those people can, those actors can 
can say, actually, I don't, I don't like this. I don't know what I just felt like I, I thought I could. And I can't. And, and, you know, myself and Russell would be the first people to go, right, we'll find something you are comfortable with and we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I, I, I think it took as long as it took, but I was never going to rush it. Um, unfortunately as well, we were in uh, dorms for those sex. They were real dorms in Wigan. I think I can't remember now. And they were tiny and they were um, not very well ventilated so uh they got very hot <laughs> so we, we didn't we didn't want to hang around for too long so but i love what i got and um and as i say i think the reason it's all okay is because we we spoke about everything so that we could then do this and um did you share the storyboards with the actors yeah absolutely i did um they were they were well, I think, well, I mean, I didn't necessarily sit them down personally. I gave them to Ita and she shared them with them. So, so again, the reason for that is when you're confronting a director, sometimes they don't know what to say, particularly a young cast that haven't been in front of a camera before and not, some of them hadn't. So they would probably feel like they have to say yes to everything. So, I, and I think this is another reason it's good to do it that way, to give it to the coordinator and for them to say, right, this is what the director's trying to get. Because if they see, if they look at it and go, well, I ain't doing that, then um, that, they would never say that to me. They would never say that to me. So I wish they would because I'm, I am that person that would listen. But I just know how it is. It should change. That's another conversation. But, it, but yes, I, I know how it is. So that was, that was a valuable part of the process. So, I mean, it's really protect, protected then of the actors. <laughs> yeah. Generally. Yeah. So and, and actually, you know, during the rehearsal process, there was definitely a lot of things came out in discussions um you know with some of the actors about things they didn't realize were problematic for them you know we never and as i say you know on occasions we would perhaps take a take a left or a right to get around that to make them feel comfortable but but you know the storyline was pretty simple you know richie goes out has sex with a succession of people and gets better and better and better and more confident and there's lots of ways you can do that so so yes we did take a few steps here and there but but we would never have known that until the day. Obviously, yourself and myself are caring directors and we would have listened to whatever the actor tells us. But you end up then stopping and, and, and make that, that whole process of a film crew stopping for that reason makes that actor feel even worse than they already do. So, so you know, without question, this is the way forward. Um, before I take questions, um, I just want to ask you, um, Hooked on Classics, was that in the script or was that... Yes, it was. Yes, I remember it. I bought it as well. Russell said, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you remember this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I bought both versions. I think there's parts one and parts two. I had the, uh, well, everything is vinyl, wasn't it? But I had them and it was so terrible and so cheesy. But that's what he loved about it. In fact, Russell's choice of music um, was always that way. It was always a bit more absurd. He said, I'm not going to go for the big classics. I'm going to go for the things that, that, that really made us who we are and, and those things, you you know, those odd choices and um and he he wrote a, a, probably a couple in each episode there was music over montage or or for a certain reason and then i added all the rest so anything that was transitional or just background e or whatever i did that and i just sort of went a little bit a little bit crazy but i loved it <laughs> um sean i think there are some questions now i believe Yes, we've got one here. It says, how many cameras were used and the number changed depending on the type of scene? Is this across the board uh, or just in the intimacy um, the intimacy sections? I think the it will be for the intimacy, but, um, oh no, sorry, across the board. 
across the field. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, well, I'll tell you with the intimacy of the two, and um, it was a miracle we could get two cameras as well as uh, a sex scene in some of those dorm rooms. Anyone who's been to university will know. Um, but across the board, yeah, two cameras, really, two cameras the whole time. We had three, uh, we had four or maybe five on the big um, uh, protest scene for episode four. That was purely, well, not purely down to time. Yes, we can get, yes, we got more stuff than you would have without it. But as you'll all know, then, you know, if it's, if it gets a little bit crazy and you're sending cameras off here, there and everywhere, then half the footage is unusable because it's got another camera in it. So, so, you know, but because we had no, so little time to get that whole day, I think it was the only way forward. So I think we, on that day we had three plus a, a high and wide cam that was just running all day to get, get stuff um for, for for some various cg uh appropriations and um but yeah two two every day always two anything else Sean? no that's the only one for now lovely um so i think we'll move on to um on clip two is our montage um can we have a look at that please sean clip two the richie break in the fourth wall montage is from episode two starting at 7 minutes 56 seconds and ending at 10 minutes 22 seconds. Oh, I love that sequence. <laughs> so um, can you tell me, I mean, what was it like on the page? Was it a paragraph or how, how was it on the page? Um, it, it was, it was uh, structured in sections, um, but they were, they were vague. And Russell said to me right from the, the offset, he said, this is yours. So go do what you want with it. Um, I'd be absolutely fine. This is your, your showpiece. Uh, I just know that I want this sort of Pied Piper-esque um, feel to the whole thing. I want, he needs to travel. He needs to go from place to place. And, um, and, and, and then gradually more and more and more people come along with him and uh, they're all listening intently and, and taking it all in. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it all broke down really. I'd like also to mention at this point, my camera operator, Dan Nightingale, and my editor, Sarah Brewerton, without which that sequence would not be anything like as impressive as it is. Um, and, and there's one edit in there, and any of our eagle-eyed viewers will, any directors might have winced during the opening, when the shot first goes into heaven, as in into the actual dance floor, there's an edit. And I hated that idea and I still do, do to this day because it was completely unnecessary. And um, there were many conversations about it and there were many points. And basically Russell said, pick a hill to die on. This isn't it. And, um, and he's right because we had lots of other things to talk about, including um, a picture of a willy in a magazine from the very early part of the episode, which I've never had so many conversations about genitalia or certainly emails. Um, but, and that's true, by the way. Um, but, but yes, so it, it was, um, try and remember, I definitely added a few more looks to camera. The, um, the, the, it was, I think it was less active around the table um, and him like shaking the glasses and whatever. I just, beca it became more of a floor show in, 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 on the day, actually. It was scripted as he goes in, sits down and everyone listens to him. And I just wanted to make it more sort of like, you know, as I say, activities, pouring the drinks. We just made a lot of that up on the day, um, which I think is also always worth bearing in mind because you can plan a sequence like that completely. And you obviously have to know where you're going and what's going to be lit. But after that, you have to let go a couple of times and go, this is better, do this. 
Um, and, um, and Russell loved it. So, you know, we kept going. We kept going. Um, well, that's interesting, actually, because I, I sort of want to ask you about that. Do you do, you do camera plans? I mean, how? Um, no, <laughs> not really. No, I, um, uh, I don't. I don't do. I don't do that. I don't do shot lists. I don't do camera plans. I, um, I talk a lot. Um, I, I, I basically, I'll go to locations with my team, and I mean, on this, we didn't get to go to half of the locations properly. You know, ideally, you'd go find it. You'd go back with the designer. You'd go back with the DP. You'd go back on your own, maybe. We just didn't have any of that time. So, and I think a lot of the time we would go and see something. I think we saw probably five to ten locations for the first time on the brecky, but there was no other way to do it. And actually, we had a great team. I'd seen photographs. I wasn't seeing these things cold, so I knew you know they should have worked. But but uh, but yeah, you know, it, it was it was a lot of talking, a lot of flexibility. I've always worked like that, really. I've never liked doing plans right back from when I started in Hollyoaks, where we were told to do plans. Um, we were, it was a, an offense not to do plans. And if they, they would, they would sometimes come and check them. So I just scribbled something down. I'd never do it, but I just scribble a few things down. And then, but I just feel like if you're, if you're that prescriptive and then an actor comes in and says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to come through the door. I want to sit over there and talk. And then you're like, and you can spend as much time as you want persuading them or trying to tell them that it would be better if they come through the door. But inevitably, it's because your camera wants it, not because the story needs it. So, so I always think let's 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 know what the so, sort of options are. Um, the DP knows that it could go in either direction. So, and we're really talking about the scenes where people are standing in a room talking or sitting down talking, which. They're, they're, they're the bread and butter of what we do, but I think if we're too flexible on that, it's a very it's not a very exciting uh, place to be. So, so I tend to sort of run with what we get and those move. You know, we see something, we'll see a little reaction between two people around the table. God, they're working really well together. Quick, get the camera there. They get the camera there, and and as a result, the DP will often like for that, so that I can move around a lot more. Um, but yeah, no, I I tend not to do that. So you have so so literally you saw it on the script um, on the page, so I should say, and then you have a rough idea of what you want. I mean, Russell's very um, Russell's very um, it, it, it descriptive, right? I say apart from the the montage we just saw, where he he did give the, the, he gave the headlines, but he said, "Look, you know, do what you want with it." Um, but a lot of the other times, he is very uh, I say prescriptive doesn't sound fair because that sounds like it's a negative thing, but. He just knows he's incredibly precise. And when you read a Russell script, there's no slack. It's like, I think I read recently, I, well, I read recently a script of Russell's and um, it was so, it was a first draft and you would never, ever know. But the reason is because he's done all of the work in his head beforehand. He's edited himself enough times so that when he hands it over, you just like slide through it and you're like, wow, this is amazing. So, so I was never left in the dark. And if I was, I'd ask him and we'd know, we'd find out the answer between us. But, but I think, you know, you, so, so I, I had a really good idea of what was going to happen and what was going to, you know, where it was going to go down. Sometimes I would change things, but I would never have done that without speaking to him first because I wouldn't have wanted to um, upset anybody. But uh, yeah. 
And so um, talking, I mean, as you were speaking earlier about your editor, so did you do the edit, um, did you do it remotely? Was it during the pandemic before? Uh, we did. So we we were I actually I think we were very lucky. We got um, episode one done with everybody in the room. And so therefore we had started the show together as a team. And I'd had Russell in the room. I had Nicola in the room and Phil. And we discussed sort of our sensibilities in, in, you know, in public. And that was a really good thing, because then basically after that, then the, the shutters came down and we all went home um, and we did the rest remotely. But but I love and adore my editor Sarah who is more than capable of doing it on her own probably without me so I think she went off and did that I uh, we spoke you know we talked most of the time we'd speak in the morning and speak in the evening or whenever there was a sort of tricky part I'd give a load of notes and just go walk away and 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 I like that way of working I like to try and remove myself from the details so that when I go and look again I, I'm gonna have a more of a I just have a better eye that way and um, and this uh, particular sequence, how long did that, did you shoot over, over a number of days or was it? Yes, a lot of days. I think uh, like the, one of the shots was done in the first week and one of them was done in the last week. So, so yes. And in fact, uh, I'll let you into another secret. We missed one. Um, we ha- There's one line and actually you can tell it stands out to me, unfortunately. Um, we missed a line and um, we don't know why. And this is this is filmmaking, everybody. This is what happens. So, and everybody was convinced we'd shot it, and then Sarah was like, "Can't find it." So, um, so, and because I'd done each line so specifically, you know, shaking the table or pouring the drinks or whatever else, um, it, yeah, we had to just make something up. So we did, but um, but yes, it was shot over a number of of a number of different days, um, but really, it was it was in the pub where. It, it all seemed to start coming together because that's when, when it was like really apparent to me that he needs to do more and he can't just go and sit. It would have been a very boring scene if he had. So, uh, so that's why they all gathered around that table and he was rocking and shaking. And, and then we went over to the, you know, I said, Oh, let's change the scene. And we, he went over to the, the pinball machine or whatever the, the, you know, um, and, and and all of that. So so yes, we worked with what we had. And was that a Russell choice of music or a Peter choice of music? Well, that was a Russell choice of music to start with. We initially had a different track, um, and it was uh, a Frankie goes to Hollywood relax, which was playing over the whole of that, and uh, we didn't get the permission that we needed to use it. But unfortunately, that happened after we shot it. So I had planned it all out with relax and um we played it in when we needed to and we certainly played it in into heaven and that very last line is a lift in fact we changed it very slightly in the dub but he says hit me with those laser beams and we changed it to lasers please um in fact i think we probably could have stayed with beams oh, that's a legal thing but anyway we didn't get right the rights to that track so i put in sylvester which is what we heard there and I thought it worked superbly. It reminded, I think, a lot of people who were aware of the situation in the 80s. It reminded a lot of other because this is our show. This is our story, the UK. Um, it's our story about HIV AIDS. But using that also brought a lot of people in because I had a lot of friends in the States and they were like, they were like, oh, I'm really glad you got that Sylvester tracking because he uh, unfortunately died of AIDS in about three years after he got that came out. So, um, so it all felt it felt very it felt very right to do that. Yeah, I actually. think so. I, I loved it. I had no idea it wasn't the, the original. Yeah. Song. 
Um, so, Sean, I think we have more questions. Yeah, there's one here. I think the second half has somewhat been answered, but I'll, I'll read it out in full. Um, Peter, could you talk about the um, type of CGI or special effects that we used and the extent to which those effects were used? Um, and were uh, the extent to which you were able to pre-plan what was needed? Um, and uh, was it more about tidying up shots in the post? In post, sorry. Um, well, basically, the character of Colin, I don't know if you remember the character of Colin, he was completely CG. We, he, he was uh, an AI construction. He didn't exist in real life. Um, every single shot of him was, was, uh, was, was all made up. No, that's, that's, that's not true. That's the sort of thing that David Fincher would do because um, he's crazy, but crazy good. Um, no, it was a lot of, uh, we did a few set extensions. The Pink Palace's widest shots, we, we shot that on a street in Manchester, which everybody knows um, because it's very famous. That record shop is very famous. But we uh, did a, an extension from Stresham, actually, a, a, a literally a lift of a Stresham High Street, something off Stresham High Street. So basically the, the building there, if anyone knows it, is, is red brick uh, Victorian-ish, I think, or maybe Edwardian. I think it's Victorian. It must be Victorian if it's Manchester. But anyway, it reminded me of Streatham. So we uh, will send somebody down to there. We did an extension there. We obviously, we added cars and things of the period for movement. And they did an amazing job on that, all of that remotely as well, which kind of had to set themselves up first to be remote. So I think as anybody that went through that initial period of lockdown knows, it was not easy, but they did a superb job with all of that. Yes, lots of fixing of stuff. Um, we um trying to think we obviously the seagull at the end was all cg um with the ice cream uh yeah taking away the things that shouldn't be there for the period um uh adding signage where we needed to uh you know lots and lots of, of invisible stuff which i love because no one knows nobody knows so nobody appreciates it but i love the way that that magic works Great. That, that's it for now with questions. There is another one, but um, not to, to do, uh, you know, give spoilers, but it's to do with our third clip. So we'll, we'll oh, leave right, that one. Okay. <laughs> Can, like, before we, get, we move on to that, um, I wanted to talk to you about the New York sequence. I love mm. um, so that. Oh, yes, there was lots of CG in that, obviously. <laughs> Sorry. Where did you shoot the series? Or do, was that all CG? Was that Manchester? I so that was Liverpool. That was Liverpool. And uh, again, anyone that's ever been to Liverpool, to the Grace's buildings there, knows how iconic they are and and how how uh, how how new york they are so i felt i felt a little bit like when i first started that process i wanted to be different i wanted to be the director that goes no we're not doing it there it's too easy it's too obvious and i found this street which i loved uh no idea what it's called now and there was one side of it it was basically a completely different shot it was much more greenwich village actually which is what it was written as um and it was much more compact and there was this one big red brick building and the, the, the road was smaller um, and, and the um, additional, uh, you know, extension, the CG extension, whatever would have been, would have been smaller, but taller, although we ended up doing pretty, a pretty good job with that. But, um, but it was a big, a big job, a, a lot of cars, a lot of rerouting. It was taxis and all sorts. Whereas down there, it's quite, uh, it's quite easy to get it locked off. They, they, they're quite used to it. Lots of shows have been down there. So I was a little bit disappointed I didn't get to do my version of it. But 
I understood why. And again, when you've only got six weeks prep, you have to accept a few of these things on the chin because otherwise nothing will get planned. And I actually, I loved what we got. I really loved what we got. It was great fun to shoot. Um, the extensions they did were phenomenal. Lots of cleanup on. And we did use the same uh, building for something else. So they had to take away bits of that so that nobody thought we were being uh, cheap. But I don't think anyone did. I didn't get an email to tell me I was being cheap. But um, uh, but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And we did a, we did a Zoom, actually. Um, and we got a Zoom lens for one shot, which was that. It was Colin coming out at night. And we just Zoomed out with him and the world just got bigger and bigger as he crossed the road and got his little map out and all that sort of thing. And I just thought it was very period. Uh, it's a tiny little part of me really. It's, I just looked at lots of films from the seventies and early eighties shot in New York and they had loads of zooms going in. And I'm like, I'm going to do one. So it's very di directorial thing to do. Nobody else gave a shit. I don't think, but I, I, uh, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. So, um, right. So Sean, can we see clip three, please? Clip three, the scene where Valerie walks the hospital corridors to find the doctor is from episode five, starting at 17 minutes, 40 seconds and ending at 19 minutes, 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sean. Um, I love the blocking you did on that. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Thank you. Even before I knew I was doing this, when I first watched it, um, it really stood out to me. I loved it. So um, I sort of want to talk in this section here about actors and work with actors and like Keely obviously is so experienced and so brilliant and then working with the young actor who played I think Colin was he was it his first job am I right in thinking? Uh, yes it was Colin's first job um, ever <laughs> having left or having not left uh, a college and it was Nathaniel's first job as well Nathaniel Curtis who played Ash. Yeah so and um, so how do you how did you approach how did you approach say working with someone like Keely? Um, and working with Nathaniel. Um, well, I mean, I honestly, I approached everybody in the same way because I didn't want to disrespect the younger actors by thinking that they weren't to be treated in the same way as anybody else. I don't, I don't really have a hierarchy um, in that respect. I like, I look after everybody, and what was really important to me is that. Um, you know, those actors, particularly because we were announcing and publicizing that we had picked, we had chosen a queer cast for this show. I wanted them all to be able to go forward from this. And this is before it became as successful as it did. But I wanted them to go forward knowing what a real shoot should be like and how well they should be treated and how respected they should be, regardless of their experience. And so they can call it out next time if it doesn't happen for them and actually that's also what Keely, Sean, Dooley, Dooley um, Neil Patrick Harris, Stephen Fry what they all wanted for those guys as well because they were all I, I, I did I, I found myself relying on those other talents because I knew I could you know Keely was phenomenal as you say I um, we did a we had a little bit of a conversation but not much she didn't get to the read through because she was already working on something else and so we met our first day was uh, in the nightclub-y thing where she goes to see Richie perform in the Isle of Wight. Well, they live on the Isle of Wight, but they, they were in a sort of, I say, a nightclub environment. And that was lots of fun. And then the next day was a week later and we were doing the scene by the beach at the end with Jill. So, and we did have to have a sit down and a conversation before that about a lot of things, about, about where everything was going and coming from. And, but ultimately, Keely's such a pro that she was like, 
let's just let's just go out there and do it. And plus, again, I had very different levels of experience in that scene. Um, Jill Lydia has she's done a lot already for someone her age, but you know, even then, it was only two jobs, so it wasn't like she's. But you'd never know. This was so great. Her with Keeley, uh, uh, Callum with uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Amari with Stephen Fry. You would never know that this wasn't the case for any of them, and um, and that's the way it should be. So so you know we we treat we treat everybody the same, really. I think. So um, if I just go back to the clip, um, and as I said, I love the blocking on that. So how you know you talked earlier about you know you've got an idea and you you sort of have to mm. convince the the, the, the actors maybe what you want to do because it seems to me that you, you clearly have to have them on board but how did you approach that did you have the idea did, did, you, did you workshop it is that how that blocking <laughs> no no um again because Keely was available to us uh, only a certain number of days a maximum number of days and uh so therefore we couldn't get her up early to do a rehearsal we managed to get a period before we shot so basically that whole scene is 15 pages and well i was given two days to do it so for our schedule i know lots of people out there will be used to doing 10 pages a day but for our schedule that was a lot um to do however it was contained and and i had everybody at the top of their game so <clears throat> i i thought we could do it and, and david dp david was ready for, for you know he had got a plan to light it quickly and efficiently but we did have a conversation with them before russell came in as well on that because inevitably with those sorts of sequences everyone panics about it so as a director you end up um feeling a lot of that which you don't want to do you want to feel the opposite you want to feel confident and enabled but and i don't blame anybody for this but i know lots of people were worried are we going to get it done is it going to work are, are they going to get it is 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 you know because it's all about keely and i don't know if enough of a conversation had ever really happened between keely and russell let alone keely and me but um so yeah i explained at that point having she was sat in front of me in costume i think um you know an hour before we were about to start and uh, i said what i plan to do i mean initially russell said episode five is going to have a scene that's 15 pages long one scene off you go good luck and i'm like okay great but the reason he wanted that is he wanted this feel the time continuous feel like uncomfortable you know pressure cooker environment he never described it as those scenes along the corridors one shot but in fact there are edits which we did do for the right reasons as it turned out and again be ruthless with your own material that's another lesson i am i don't regret i regret that cut in the club because i didn't choose it but all the other ones i was very on board with because inevitably this one shot thing can really screw you over if you become so um so so sort of you know entrenched with it working and if it doesn't work at any point and there is an edit that's presented to you that does work you're like you'd be a fool not to take it anyway a lot of it is flowing but ultimately it, as i read it i thought oh one shot the whole thing 15 minutes yeah let's go for it but there's no way because you're around a bed and you're around a table and actually what i love about what we got because by by shooting those bits conventionally and then the flowy stuff down the corridor you had rise you had peaks and troughs which is what all good drama should be about so i think that's and they had given us all of those moments and that little tiny kitchen is phenomenal and it's very simple there's nothing complicated about the way we shot that and um but it's just so and then woof, out they go again and they're down that corridor and one of the reasons for the steady cam was uh, he wrote clip 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 
on the heels. And I just thought, I've just got to be in there. I've got to be in that moment with her and take her. And in fact, the more, more, most uh, complicated part was the second where she comes out and she goes and finds her husband, uh, Sean, and then she hits him. There is a cut in that. Again, without it, it wasn't as good. Simple as that. But I only put one in and I feel like it earned its place. Um, and because the whole sequence has has edits, I don't think it was a problem. Lovely. And um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to ask a question, but do you have a favourite scene in the whole Um I loved watching this all back. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I do love the hospital scene for lots of reasons because... I think everybody, as I said, everybody started it by panicking that we'd never get it done. We actually finished about two or three hours early. Um, so we found something to do. Isn't that brilliant? Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it was, it was an example of an incredible team working extremely hard and really all invested. We all came for Russell. We all did. There's no question. But I think what, what we proved with the way we did it um, to a lot of other people the sort of people around the edges of the crew um, is that you can, it's nice to have a job where you can see it unfolding. You can see these young talents emerging and, and, and also have a really nice time every day when you come to work. And, um, and they were so invested in the show going forward. And I think, you know, it was just like, I don't, some, some of the sparks had never experienced as much love on a set. I don't think they were getting, well, this isn't the day when you could hug, each other but they were getting hugs from all over oh goodbye goodbye and they loved it they loved it they were they were an incredible bunch really really good bunch um, how did you get neil patrick harris was he inherited from your previous well we've got some photographs and uh, they're rather embarrassing so we said that if he didn't do it then we would uh, show the new york times um no about apparently and this is a true story this did happen before me <clears throat> but basically it's a simple thing. They asked him. They said, I think it was Russell uh, directly, but it may have been Nicola first and then Russell. But basically they just said they asked him and they said, look, we've got this part coming up. And I think it was also partly in discussion with the American co-production about having an American star in it. But because of the, of the, the notion of having a queer cast where possible and having this character who had such an important impact on, yes, it was a British actor of uh, character and i'm sure people could go couldn't you find another? and but yeah we could have but neil was so good so amazing there were so many layers to what who he is as a person and what he did as a performance and and he brought to this as well that life he lived as a actor at 16 to now 30 years in the business and um and and i, I just think that it was an inspired choice i really do and I, I don't know who made that choice. It could have been Russell. Russell's very good at casting. So um, it probably was him. But but yeah, they just asked him and he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And that was that. Yeah, he's great. Um, and what what would you do differently? What would you do? If you did it again, what would you do? Uh, um, I would remember that shot that stands out in the montage and do it, shoot it properly. I would, I would fight more for that edit not to happen um, in, that, in that because ultimately whether that was in or not did not well you could argue this both ways whether that was whether that cut happened would not have made the show any more or less successful therefore in my eye, my eyes let's not have it let's leave it as one beautiful flowing camera shot anyway um uh, what else what i do differently 
I, I don't think I'd actually ask for more prep time because I think we, we did okay. And um, sometimes, you know, I've got a couple of things in development at the moment where there are no deadlines. Sorry, my dog's barking. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, we have no deadlines and there's like, it's like this amorphous thing. And it's like, when, when, tell me when to do something. I like a deadline. I like the fact that you have to do something in a certain time. It, it, it fires my brain up. So, so I don't, don't think I'd ask for more time, weirdly. Um, I think David might. David Katznelson might have loved a, a, a few more. Another thing, it's like, why does, why does a DP not start when a director does? On something of that magnitude, when you're shooting the entire thing, I think DP should start day one with the director. But that's just me. Thanks. So, um, Sean, do you have any questions? We do. One of them was asked um, regarding the corridor scenes and how they were conceived. So thanks for that, Peter. And just before I ask the other one, there's some nice messages here. So Miranda says that she thought the corridor scenes were amazing. And Jonathan um, thought all of the performances were fabulous, particularly from the newcomers. Um, but Jonathan is wondering, how much rehearsal time did you have throughout, if any? <clears throat> um, we had a week's rehearsal beforehand where... Um, and I don't, I don't do, um, I don't do what is, I don't do conventional rehearsals because I've, I've never really learned how to. I'm a, a bit, I'm a bit, you know, I, I, I talk to actors. I, we, I, what I like is for, to get everybody in the room and, and talk about the whole thing and the thing as a whole, what it, what it, what it is, um, what it means, what it means to them, as well as what it means to me. And then that starts a very interesting conversation about how they are coming into it. And if there's anything awry, then I can, can sort of can straighten it up, particularly with the younger cast. They, they, they might need a bit of steering here and there before they really throw themselves into it. I did want to also use that time to discuss uh, with the younger, the, the less experienced cast, uh, you know, how to pace themselves and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, we did. You know, Russell was there too because I wanted as well for Russell to be able to to answer their questions, so they could hear it direct from him, and that was a, a joy. He came in for a couple of days of that, um, but, but yeah, a week's rehearsal. But then I also lost them to into intimacy, which I do not regret. But I did lose them, so they were rehearsing that rather than anything else, and of course, costume and makeup and hair fittings and stuff like that. So you never get a week out of a week, week's rehearsal. But on the on the shooting days. Not, not really very much. Um, we would react a lot more than we would really um, rehearse. But, and I have to say this more and more to make sure people re realise that those, that, that, that cast were so good. I didn't feel like I was, I was ever in need of that much. I, I was like, you know, they brought their A game and again, that goes back to what my job is. I, my job is to make them feel like they can and make them feel like they are able to do whatever is required. And, and I think then they just came on every day full of, full of beans and, uh, and delivered. So, um, you know, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that, I don't know. Yeah, that was it really. <laughs> does, um, does, do Russell's scripts change at all once you start filming? No, they don't tend to. We did have some notes. Um, uh, the, from some obviously the funny notes that I, I even remember now where people are telling I don't know let, this did not happen but let's suggest that it was a note that said do you need it do you really need that montage scene and they'd be like uh, right I'm leaving but um, but yeah he, he did a few answer a few things inevitably 
there's always an under, a clarity issue, an understanding what we think is all perfectly acceptable. Somebody doesn't get, so we have to we have to deal with that. There was perhaps more of that in the cut than in the script. Um, and again, not really a lot of wrestling, but I think uh, they're very fast wrestle scripts. He writes a lot of scenes and they move. And he's very ruthless with his own work, as am I. So um, I think we had to make sure at some point that we, we we had a few moments, a few more moments. I think if I could do anything differently, going back to our other question, I would probably, I don't know. You see, again, why would I? Because this is like saying, oh, a director's cut. And I hate director's cuts. There's no point in them. But um, I think that there were occasions where I wished I could have had a few more moments, a few more breaths, a few beats, but, but Russell's like, go, go, go. So, but, but honestly, they're, 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 I always, I felt that at the time. And I bet you, if I did it now, I bet if I sat in a room and did that, I'd hate it. So, um, which is why I don't like director's cuts. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, I keep jumping in, but I'm going to jump in again. Um, so did you learn anything on this show? So you, you've got... I thought you were going to say, did I learn anything before I started working as a director? <laughs> Um, well, the honest answer is no, I didn't. I didn't learn anything before I became a director. I had no idea what I was doing. And um, there's a quote from somebody, uh, some a guru, probably an online meme creator, that said, don't, you know, always start before you're ready. Never wait to be ready because you never will be. And I effectively did that because I just got a job and as the director of Hollyoaks, and I was sat in a pub across the road where they put you up. And I was looking at the script and thinking, tomorrow I'm going to tell people what to do and get paid for it. And I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea at all. But as soon as I got out there, it felt like it was something I was always supposed to do. And I can't really describe it any better than that. And, um, you know, it, it worked. <laughs> So, I know that part. Many a Holly director knows that. Part. Oh, exactly. I, you know, but you asked me about did I learn anything? Always, always no, learning. I mean, yeah, on, on this show, I mean, you've done so much. Yeah, so this was new for you—a five-parter. So, I mean, yeah, I think I think what I would say, and this is so much learning, but realizing, um, I uh, having a break was amazing. So, if you're going to do five episodes of something, put a break in, and they'll never want to do it, and and actually. I've tried on other things and they, it always gets whittled down. And it's like, oh, we'll have five days off the cast, the crew, or rather the cast, because um, the crew are often doing pre-lights and whatever else. And they don't want to go away. They want to earn money, which I understand. But I think if you can have a little break uh, for your brain, I think it's really good. Um, so just tell them to shoot it over Christmas somewhere or other, or Easter. But, um, I, you know, intimacy, as we've spoken about, is an invaluable asset to any director to any production um i i guess i learned i learned a little bit about shooting something you, you are invested in and like this is the first time i'd ever told a story from my own point of view so to speak uh, a gay queer story um and and it's empowering to do that it's empowering to be able to be the voice that you know, when you think about what you want to tell an actor, again, from a totally different generation as well, but you want to tell an actor a certain thing and you're like, I know exactly what the right answer is here. And, and a lot of time as a director, you always say you should know exactly what the right answer is, but you don't because you're making it up or it's in space or whatever. But um, it was lovely to really know exactly what this was this show was and what it meant and how important it would be. I didn't know how popular it would be, but I certainly knew it had a lot 
of important things to say and and it was just a great piece of writing so um but yeah it was that was a lovely experience and i've never felt so um able to be myself um which uh was was also something rather special you know i've been directing for 20 years and i've never had a problem with being a gay director that's not what i mean but you know you, you, it's not a big deal therefore you don't make it i don't know it just felt it just felt lovely to be the true me once in my career <laughs> maybe going forward as well hopefully um so sean sorry i interrupted you with your questions that's okay and unfortunately we are almost out of time so this will have to be the last one but um philip has asked can you let us know what your um inspirations were in terms of other films and tv shows um that had an influence on not just the show but your direction oh blimey um there was a French film called BPM, which we watched. Uh, it wasn't so much a reference, but it was it was a comparison. It was it was like we wanted to see something that had been made from a non-US point of view um, within recent memory. So we we found that, and that was that was about the ACT UP organization, and and, and but it had some very poignant uh, moments around the the you know, the illness and the treatment and. Um, the behaviors towards gay people um, in that period. So that was very, that was important. Um, there's a, a one car wife film called Happy Together, which we, you, we, 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 again, we watched it to feel it. Um, it, it wasn't, I don't think you'd say anything about our, the way we shot it was particularly sim similar, but there's things that he does as a director that I wanted to feel again. And um, so, yes, there were certainly some parts of that uh that we 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 dipped into um i was trying to think of my mood board which was very hastily put together as you can imagine um but um but yeah i i, I do have a i always tend to go for lots of influences at the very start of a job because that's how you get a job you put a load of stuff down and you say here's my lookbook and they go oh that's exciting and, and then you know do, is it does it look like that well maybe in part it does i tend to try and forget the lookbook um and then well, you know, not forget it, but I don't look at it every day because I think that's pointless because you, you've got it in front of you. What it is is what's in front of you. So, and if there's nothing wrong with it, you change it. But, um, but yeah, certainly I try to watch a few films and feel something, um, you know, and try and remember that's what I wanted to do when I did my own uh, version of those films. Um, feel something. And I think that that's what we try to do, really. Great, thank you. And just, sorry, just a cheeky last question. Do you know um, what Russell's inspirations were? His friends, um, basically. They're all, well, not exactly every single one, but the whole story is loads of anecdotes and real stories. He knew, he knew these people, and um, some of which uh, uh, survived, some of which died of, of uh, HIV AIDS. And... Um, and and that's really he'd always known he wanted to write a story about that experience. He didn't know when uh, he would be able to do it because it's you know difficult. Um, and 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 then you know I think he started something like three years ago or, or, or maybe a bit longer actually. It's always a long process in development. But he um, but yeah he suddenly realised he hasn't decided now's the time I'm ready to do this. And so and I actually think it was one of the best things about it because. We had 40, we came out, we uh, were, were, we transmitted on, actually, maybe not the date, but it's basically 40 years since the first recorded case 
of AIDS. And um, so not that we entered, we didn't anticipate that, but it felt like those 40 years had given us a lot of time to think and reflect and decide about which way we wanted to tell a story. And he said that what he hadn't seen as much was the joy of living in that period, the, the love and the laughter that went along with the tears because inevitably, you know, these people have just found their way into a new life and they've got away from the trappings of, of, of the middle-class suburbia or, or, or even the horrors of what uh, Roscoe Babatundi went through. And, and they're like, I'm having the time of my life. I'm not going to give up. I'm not giving this up for, for that yet. It's, it's all made up, which is why that montage exists, because lots of them were denying that it, it did exist. You know, it, 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 they didn't believe it was real. How could it be real? Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Russell's staunchly supports the, the joy because he says some of his friends would rise from the graves and dis destroy him if he didn't show the, the fun and the joy and the love that they all experienced during that period as well. So um, they, they, they were his influences. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Um, I just say thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. It's been really brilliant. It's so interesting. Um, and you know, it's, and thanks to Sean and Andrew for organising this because I think a lot of people yes. want to hear this. They want to hear the nuts and bolts and how you make a show like it's a sin. And you know, it's um, it's been really great talking to you. Thank you very much. It's been very great talking to you, Christine. And uh, thank you for doing that. And thank you as well, Sean and Andrea, for having me. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.